Kristen's asleep on the couch. So it's just you and me. We've got a stretched out episode for you this week. So we're just going to get right into it. After you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and go do that. I'll give you some time. Okay, now, I guess here's the episode then. Greetings, listeners, domestic, international, and extraterrestrial. I am Dave Reed. (laughs) Oh no, this is going to be a long one. And I'm Kristen Riley. This is The Cast Files. I'm a nerd who somehow never saw The X-Files. And I watched it when it originally aired. Cast Files is a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of The X-Files spoiler-free. Squeeze into something comfortable, everybody. Because today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 21, Tombs. Yay! It originally aired. April 22nd, 1994, to a viewership of 13.4 million people. Apparently, the commercials were like, hey, this guy's back, and everybody was excited. I was excited. (laughs) It was written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong, directed by David Nutter, his fifth episode. All right. A bit of trivia up top. Did you know that this aired on the night that Richard Nixon died? I didn't. Well... Do you want to know a little bit about Richard Nixon? Oh, uh, sure. All right. So we're going to start off with history before we even get into the cast. Are you ready? <laughs> Why not? So Nixon is well known for Watergate, right? Right. If you're unfamiliar with Watergate, that's okay. I have a quick recap in a moment. What I want to introduce are the crimes we were distracted from by Watergate. Okay. Ready? A bit from an article that I pulled this from out of the Irish Times by reporter Vincent Brown from June 2013. The Watergate scandal was about the funding and then the cover-up of a break-in at the headquarters of the Democratic National Committee at Watergate in Washington, D.C. on June 17, 1972. The illegality, its cover-up, and the persistent lying by the president and his aides were reprehensible. But... What those of us who were overawed by the Watergate expose at the time missed was that the story did not matter very much, which is something that I've always wondered about. It seems so pointless. A huge scandal, and I'm always like, and? Well, that's because we have, like, way worse scandals every single day now. <laughs> I guess so. It's just like, so a dude lied. Shucking. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, we drone-striked a family with seven children and yesterday they came out and said sorry oops so what did we miss that actually mattered is a story that carl bernstein who wrote his whole like the history of nixon's scandals and everything didn't even mention among the crimes of richard nixon's presidency this was the bombing of cambodia from march 18th 1969 to may 26th 1970, during which the United States dropped 2.7 million tons of bombs on Cambodia, exceeding 
by almost 1 million tons, the total dropped on Japan during the Second World War, including the bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That's just mind-blowing. That was not supposed to be a pun, so I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Richard Nixon undertook this onslaught while lying to the American people and to Congress about what was going on. Incidentally, the bombing was almost certainly illegal, for the American Constitution reserves the power to declare war by Congress. It is estimated that over half a million people in Cambodia were killed in that conflagration. Wow. What a conflagration. It was. Nice word, right? Yes. I just wanted to say it. I know. As I said it, I was like, I'm just eating up this word. <laughs> so good. So. As I said, scandals like that, worse than that every day. In 2016, Barack Obama dropped literally all of our bombs. Hmm. We literally ran out of bombs because he dropped every single bomb we have. I just wanted to worry about had <laughs> that we currently have. We went back and we yeah. collected them all, and now they're in a, in a pile. Yeah. Uh, what Nixon and Kissinger did to Cambodia is monstrous and evil, and we do that every day now. Yeah, I know. So, But I wanted everybody to know about it. Because I remember learning about Watergate, and every time I would learn about Watergate, which in the U.S. education system was every single year, every time we'd go over it, I'd be like, so? This is the (laughs) dumbest thing. I'm seven. I don't care. (laughs) I I learned about Watergate from watching Family Ties. That's crazy. Really? Alex P. Keaton was a big Nixon fan. Ew. The whole premise of that show was hippie parents and a conservative son. I watched that and I can't remember anything. I did my hair like Alex B. Keaton. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I threw my hair back. <laughs> <sighs> I whip my hair back and forth. You do now. Ugh. Yeah, you do. All right. So now that we've talked about Richard Nixon and some stuff that I didn't learn in school, because again, the U.S. education system. I had heard about Cambodia, but I liked that this guy was telling me that I was correct. (laughs) Watergate scandal was a distraction. And I was like, yeah, that makes more sense than anything anybody else has ever told me. Now we can get into tombs. It was illegal, though. I know. It wasn't a good... I'm not saying it was a good thing. I'm not (laughs) pro-Watergate. Break into the headquarters of the Democratic National Committee every day. Be gay. Break into the headquarters of the <laughs> Democratic Committee. Yes, this is my hot take. Kristen is pro-Nixon? Question mark? <laughs> no, I don't understand how anybody can be pro-Nixon. <laughs> he did create the EPA. I know that. And now ever, every year since then, we've been chipping away at it. <laughs> yep. As we learned in the, uh, the previous episode by... Paying politicians to cut down all of the trees. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> all right. So, without further ado, the cast. Doug Hutchison is back as Eugene Victor Toombs. He was in a little something called Days of Wrath. Oh, that sounds like a good one. And also, John Doe. That sounds like a bad one. <laughs> Too generic. It's very generic, but he's just trying not to get those eyeballs on him, I guess. Uh. Paul Ben Victor, a.k.a. Dr. Aaron Monty. Like, what was that dude's deal? Yeah, I got a little bit about him later. Okay. He was in Tombstone. Uh, okay. I knew I recognized him. Okay. Because I don't remember him from Tombstone. I did, Not off the top of my head, but I've seen that movie upwards of 20 times. Oh, I've seen it, I think, twice. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, he was also in, you might recognize him from this one. I don't know how you'd miss him. Pool Boy, colon, Drowning Out the Fury. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that sounds like one of those late night Showtime movies. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> Just like the biggest <laughs> fake boobs. <laughs> but But the screen keeps... Cutting out because your your free access to it is like it's still wonky, so you still get those little squiggles. Oh wow! <laughs> You're going for the scrambled stuff, okay? <laughs> we could, we never had Showtime or anything. We never had anything you had to pay for. <laughs> <laughs> I guess besides cable, because I mean, what were we monsters? <laughs> <laughs> Can't remember when we got cable. I remember going over to my parents' friend's house and they had the beige box on the top with the little triangle clicker that you had to go click, 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 click to get to the channels. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you probably weren't born yet. (laughs) That's how cable used to be. It was a cable box that sat on top of a TV. It was like beige and just... Why was everything beige? (sighs) Why in the 70s was everything beige? Don't know. So there it is. That's what it is. Is that a cable box? Yes. That is what the cable boxes were when we would go over to my parents' friend's house. I feel like I've seen one of these in one of those old-timey antique stores and had no idea what it was. (laughs) I'm looking at it right now and I can't figure out how it... You slide that little piece. I, I understand that, but how is it connected to TV? Like with a cord. I know that there's a cord somewhere. It's... Yeah, check these out. These are weird. These are older than I know. What is this? I hate it. <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, I'm going to have to save this so we can tweet it out. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, I'm being the opposite of, like, boomers where I'm like, old technology. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Give me three separate remotes to try to turn on our TV, please, and thank you. Right. <laughs> All right. We also have everybody's favorite from future seasons, Mitch Pileggi. A.K.A. Walter Skinner. He is from the X-Files game, which is a video game, in case you didn't know that there was a video game. (laughs) Okay. I feel like you should play it and tell us how it is. Okay. All right. And The Sky's No Limit TV movie. Ooh. Henry Beckman, A.K.A. Detective Frank Briggs. (laughs) It was in my personal favorite, Every Dog's Guide to Complete Home Safety. Quoi? <laughs> it's, a, it's a movie. Every Dog's Guide to Complete Home Safety. I'll watch that. You play the game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I am that Nathan Fillion gif right now. <laughs> yes, you are. What? <laughs> I don't know, but I'll look it up. He was also in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, colon, the TV show. Oh, that's he's the second one from that. Yep. I forget There's who the a, other one was. Me too. There's a couple of them. Oh, it was the uh, the guy from the group of people that I don't like, the three guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The lone gunman. That's it. Not that I actually dislike those individual human beings. I just was like, nah, whatever. <laughs> I don't need this in my life. He was also in The Sixth Sense, a TV series from 1972. Oh, 70. Okay. I was like, they made a TV show out of that? No, but I included that because I know it's three and I never do three, but I didn't know it was a TV series before it was a movie. So it wasn't even an original idea. Oh, it is the same concept? Yes. Oh, wow. Yep. 
Oh, Shyamalan is such a hack. So this is so okay. So I was so shocked. This is what the Sixth Sense, the TV series, is about. Dr. Michael Rhodes is a college professor with an interest in the paranormal. He and his assistant Nancy spend much of their time investigating mysteries involving extrasensory perception, spirits, possessions, and other such experiences. That's the non-spoilery version of what the Sixth Sense is. Huh. So it was very. If it wasn't one to one, it was very close. I don't know. That doesn't seem very. That doesn't seem wildly similar to me. Fine. He's still a hack. Oh yeah, he's still. A hack. <laughs> no, I hated that movie because I was like, this, this is dumb. The entire time I'm watching it, this is dumb. You didn't like the little boy? No. Well, I liked him in the Jeff Foxworthy show. Oh, jeez. Never mind. <laughs> no, no more questions. Oh, here we go. Timothy Weber, aka Detective Talbot. Was from The Outer Limits, but he was also from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show. Shut up. (laughs) Wow. Now, Jan Darcy is Judge Khan. She was in a movie, not a TV movie, an actual straight up movie. Oh, nice. She woke up pregnant. I mean, pregnant women often do. Yep. (laughs) She was also in a follow-up. What I would like to believe is a follow-up to <laughs> She Woke Up Pregnant. No Child of Mine. Oh. <laughs> Yikes. And then, after that, The Other Mother, colon, A Moment of Truth movie. Uh. I don't think any of these are actually related, but I like to... It's a trilogy. In, in, it's canon now. Yeah. It's the Waking Up Pregnant saga. <laughs> yes. And before that, Catherine Lowe... Hagquist, a.k.a. Dr. Richmond, was in the the prequel to She Woke Up Pregnant, which was Fifty Shades Freed. Oh. oh. <laughs> um, she was also in, oh, she currently also is in Motherland, colon, Fort Salem, which is on Hulu right now. Oh. All right. So, <laughs> without further ado, 15 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> How long can we avoid talking about this episode? The funny thing is, I have so so many notes and i think about half of them are just tangents but (laughs) this was a fun episode because of how many extra things i could put into it and as you can see i've started from the very beginning yeah i do i do see that so here's the summary that hulu gives us eugene tombs a supernatural killer whom Mulder helped incarcerate is released on parole good good summary i mean (laughs) i mean yep (laughs) (laughs) technically true i guess yes So we start in Druid Hill Sanitarium in Baltimore, Maryland. Barbed wire surrounded a tall reddish building. Going down a hallway, we can hear screaming, moaning, and indiscernible babbling. On various doors, we see the nameplates like Walter L. Robbie and Shalin Scott. Under each of the nameplates is a small door through which food is passed. We stop at a door where the nameplate reads, Tombs, Eugene Victor. Whoa. I do like the stenciling with the last name being read. Just so it stands out a little. Yep. It's Make... one. It's one of the first notes I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> the first notes I wrote in order. Well, some of these are skipping ahead a little bit. But well, my first line of notes is just no hibernation. Released after six months. Murder? Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into those second two. So a sweaty tombs and his yellowish eyes appear. They appear so close you can see his contacts. <laughs> it wasn't shot in high def. When they throw it in a high def, it's, yes. you get to see things that 
they didn't account for because they didn't need to at the time. No, and as a contact wearer now, not in 1994, I wonder how awful colored contacts were back then. No, no, I was a contact wearer in 1994, and they weren't colored contacts, but they, they were fine. Really? Yeah. When How old were you when you started wearing contacts? Fifteen. Wow. And I was wearing contacts when this episode came out. Oh, you're old, man. <laughs> you gonna keep that in? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Tombs peers. Tombs peers down the hallway, then sticks his hand through the slot. He reaches up towards the latch, growling. I don't know why. He wasn't growling before. It's just fun. As he sticks his arm further through, we hear a dull pop as his shoulder dislocates. He smiles and lets out a dull sigh. He is so sweaty. <laughs> He's almost like you after a run. Almost. Be head to head there. I was also wearing contacts and was super sweaty earlier today. <laughs> Victor Toombs and, and me, we're the same. Twinsies. <laughs> I, okay, so I've got a couple of questions. Like, why is he still here? Why isn't he hibernating? Why is he sweaty? Is he practicing? Is he reassuring himself that he can leave whenever he wants? He just doesn't want to yet? Those are all of my initial questions. Yeah, I'm not sure what he's doing either. He's just proving to himself that he can. I feel like that's what he's doing. Staying sharp in case he doesn't get paroled or something. Why would he need to stay sharp? He hibernates for 30 years. He doesn't I, need to practice. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. It, it doesn't get any clearer from here. Next, we see a man, Dr. Aaron Monty. And a security guard walk down to Toombs' door. Dr. Monty knocks on the door and enters. So the way that this is shot at first, you think that Toombs is going to be gone. Yeah. But obviously he's not because this isn't the end. If this was the final scene, this would have been great. Yeah. The final scene of episode three. Yes. <laughs> yes. Instead of him just staring at the hole. Right. This would have, yeah, I would have dug that. Okay. I got some edits. So Dr. Monty comes in. He's, he's... Toombs is psychologist or psychiatrist. I don't know if they ever clarify. No, I don't think so. But I don't think he's giving Toombs medication, so he could be a psychologist. Yeah. Okay, well, either way, he's his doctor. Uh, he doesn't comment on how sweaty Toombs is, but he reassures him that he'll be released tomorrow during the parole hearing because Dr. Monty looked at everybody's secret notes. I'm yeah. assuming they're secret notes. What is this, Watergate? <laughs> oh, wow. I just put that together. Good job. Thanks. I'm proud of you. Thanks. You get to be the dumb baby today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I said there's literally no way it's time for parole. You know there's still paperwork being done on the initial arrest. This is six months later. Right. There's They haven't finished up all of the paperwork. There's no way. It doesn't seem likely. He assaulted a FBI agent at the very least. Like broke into her home. Yes. And assaulted her. And here's the thing. Here's why I say that about the paperwork, which is not the most exciting part about it. But I had a hearing at a local court, the local courthouse here. And a full year later, they were telling me that the paperwork wasn't done. And it wasn't even a crime. There was no crime committed. There was just paperwork that was in that building somewhere, but not in where it was supposed to be. So there's no way this paperwork's done. <laughs> well, maybe they were much more... Uh... Efficient in 1994. Doubt it. <laughs> what in this show has given you that? <laughs> Scully's 75% conviction rating. Oh, gosh. Okay, we'll get there in just a moment. Because holy bananas. All right, so 
All right, so the paperwork, not fun. But he killed some people and he attacked a cop. And cops don't like it when you treat them like normies. Oh, no, they do not. So there's no way. Anyway, the doctor leaves telling Toombs to cross his fingers. And Toombs does in the creepiest way possible. And we had to debate about why it was so unsettling when it was actually just normal crossing your fingers, but it was still very unsettling. Yeah. Good job. Good job. Yeah, yeah, actor and director on that. Great. Now we're to the scene that you just referenced. We are in Assistant Director Walter Skinner's office at the FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C. First note here, Scully's hair is so flat. Oh, no. It's just not good at the beginning of this. It gets better throughout, but I don't know what was going on that day. Oh, no. This cigarette smoking man is there, so yay! Uh, do I want to start smoking? I've been thinking about revamping my style, and <laughs> cigarette smoking man looks pretty don't fuck with me. I think I could pull that off. Yeah, he's also 42 <laughs> and looks like he's 70. <laughs> he probably is. Yeah. So oh, my God. There's your answer. People keep talking about, oh, why does Paul Rudd never age? Why does Keanu Reeves never age? People don't smoke as much anymore, so people aren't aging rapidly. He probably is 42. Yeah. That actor is probably like in his 40s in this show, and he <laughs> looks like he's 80. But it doesn't, you're not going to mess with him. That was my whole vibe. We'll get back to this. Okay. <laughs> we are coming back to this. Okay. So, so you're saying there's a chance I'm that saying, I should start smoking. No! <laughs> I'm saying my likelihood of messing with him. That's what we're coming back to. Ooh! All right. Meanwhile, Scully and Skinner are talking. By the way, trivia. This is Walter Skinner's debut appearance. I noticed. And as soon as he was on the screen, I was like, even though I've never seen this show and don't know anything about it, I know this guy's around for a long time. <laughs> uh, somehow I knew that. Like, he's on covers of DVDs yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah he's, he's everywhere. So I couldn't let it go by without mentioning it. And I wasn't sure if you... I figured you probably had picked that up just out of the... Zeitgeist, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty much, I got it through osmosis. I imagine if I looked at the IMDb, which I'm not going to, he's probably number three on there. Like Mulder and Scully yeah, are in probably. most of the episodes. Right. And then he's probably in the third most episodes. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't looked at the overall series in a while because I usually go to each of the episodes. But yeah, so, all right. So this is what Scully says. On X-Files cases investigated by Agent Mulder and myself to date, we have a conviction or case solution of 75%. That's well above the current Bureau standard. Are all of these cases off screen? Because on screen, you haven't done shit. Like, what did I write right there? False. <laughs> that, was, that was my response. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Look, I'm, I'm retconning the squeeze episode not having a solution because I thought he was going to escape and he didn't. So okay. that one now counts as a win for them. Yes. But that's still like one, three wins <laughs> out of 21 episodes. Well, 20 episodes. Cause we won't count this one. Yeah. Until the end. Right. But they've 75%. <sighs> Do you want to be Skinner or Scully? Ooh, I want to be Skinner so I can be a, go for it. It's a very short one. I but... can use my base. And now for cast files, theater. What I require is increased frequency of reports, conventional investigation. In short, Agent Skelly, 
It is your responsibility to see that these cases are by the book. I understand. However, conventional investigation of these cases may decrease the rate of success from zero to (laughs) negative numbers, sir. That was Cast Files Theater. Oh, man. How many cops do you think use this excuse? If I work by the book, I can't do my job. All of them. I agree. That's why I wrote it down. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally their excuse to not get rid of qualified immunity. Yes. If people can sue me when I go above and beyond what I'm supposed to be doing, I can't do what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Also, apparently Skinner really just wants what all bosses want. You to do more paperwork they'll never read. (laughs) That's funny. I was supposed to do a statement this week and I just didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) I've... I've been having a couple of really rough weeks at work, and that's what it boils down to. Yeah. And so now we are at the court hearing of Eugene Victor Toombs in Baltimore, Maryland. Toombs isn't sweaty. Good job, man. Yeah, well, he's not stretching out. This whole scene is ridiculous. Toombs murdered people. What happened to the fingerprint evidence and the nest and all the trophies he took from victims? What happened to his spit nest in his original cell? That's exactly what I was thinking. He was building a nest in that first cell. I guess we're just retconning that one. I guess so. All right. Do you want to be the prosecution counsel Myers or Mulder? This is also short, but it's two people, so you be Mulder. Oh, okay. Mr. Mulder, as an expert witness for the state of Maryland, can you list your qualifications? So before you start, Mulder, you've seen him on the stand a few times now. What do you think are his qualifications? Mulder's qualifications? Yes. He says he's qualified to do stuff. And then when he gets on the stand, what happens? What does he do? He melts down in the face of any sort of pushback. Yes. That's what he does. Any and every. Yeah. If he doesn't get his way, if he doesn't get to do his show and tell, he has a meltdown. Yeah. That's exactly. Here's what Mulder says his qualifications are. I'm a special agent with the Federal Bureau of Investigation. I worked for three years at the FBI's Behavioral Science Unit, profiling serial killers. Great. Could you um, stick to that? Instead of your show and tell, I know you put a lot of work into these slides. I don't know how you put slides together back in this time. Yeah, look, PowerPoint didn't exist. No, I know. He's, he put in effort. I know. This is the only work Mulder ever does. So if you don't look at these, I'm going to get upset. (laughs) It's like, he can't charge his billable hours if you don't look at this presentation. (laughs) Well, Mulder lost it again. So who's calling him as an expert witness still? It's wild. He shows his ass and evokes eugenics. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Here's my notes on this whole thing. They mentioned that Toombs had a job that he recently got fired from. How did he get that job in the first place? How long did he have it? So is his hibernation 30 years or it has to be a lot shorter than that? Oh, that's a good question. In order for him to have a job long enough to be upset by losing it. There's paperwork involved with this stuff. More paperwork! (laughs) Paperwork that people can actually look at, too. Yeah. W-2s, the IRS is involved. Right. So, they're not letting him... This is a government job. Yeah. He has to have had that job for a number of years before he started killing people in the 93 scenario. That's a really good point, because it isn't like he's doing something that doesn't have a paper trail. Like, being a dog walker, you could do that, and we could say, okay, so he's probably being paid under the table. Right. Or even serving, there are certain, it's certain institutions that don't pay you legally, 
but they will pay you in cash. I'll just go with uh, bricklayer in my case, since I had carried Hod for a summer. None of those guys were on the books. Nobody that did that job was on the books. And that's, I don't know what that is. That's a whole other conversation. (laughs) But yeah, this is literally a government job. Yeah. So there's paperwork. There's more paperwork than necessary. There's a trail of this guy and him losing his job right before he attacks Scully. That's on the books. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Mulder, definitely. <laughs> I wrote down before we, we did our thing about him melting down. I wrote down that he could have actually presented all of that information. The information he says in a screamy voice. He could have just presented that information calmly if he wanted it entered into the record and probably wouldn't have gotten interrupted like he did. But when he starts going off into that, that tone he does, Ugh. that's when people are like, objection, objection. And he gets he doesn't get to enter it into the record. Where I get that if I'm a, if I'm Toombs' lawyer, I'm like, no, strike all of this. This is ridiculous. But Especially since right before he presents, they say, let's just set the record straight that we aren't talking about any of this other stuff. We're only talking about the attack on Agent Scully. Yeah. And Mulder doesn't mention that at all in his presentation. He screams about things that happened 30 years ago, 60 years ago, and 90 years ago. And he sounds unprofessional at best. And then he goes into the eugenics stuff. It's written into his DNA. Right. He will kill again. It's in his DNA. What? Come on. Oh, my gosh. I guess they, good job team for making this person white like everyone else you put on this (laughs) payroll. And not having him be, I don't know, literally anybody else when you're going to just bring up eugenics. Constantly. It's pretty pretty brutal. It's gross. And also, Mulder mentions that if he gets one more, then he's completed the cycle. So I guess his cycle isn't really on a time limit. No, I guess it's just once you get five. Yeah, just however long it takes to get the five. But he got, what, three? Yeah, four in Squeeze. Which is, which was what, 12 hours? It was pretty quick. It was only a couple of days. I did condense it, but... So, I guess no time limit on that stuff. I just got disappointed again in remembering that he was never a raccoon when I wanted him to be in. (laughs) Or Nicolas Cage. Or Nicolas Cage. I was disappointed. And you know what? At least this time they didn't tease me. There were no elements where I thought either Nick Cage or raccoon were going to show up. Yeah, I guess that's nice. So, thanks guys. All right, so Scully was supposed to testify, but Skinner screwed that up. Why? Why did he screw that up? Is it because he's in this with Deep Throat? Hmm, that's not what I picked up. Is is this some Bananas alien plan? Hmm, I doubt it. He did it on purpose. He knew where she was supposed to be, because you obviously know she's supposed to be in court testifying as an expert witness. Yeah, I think maybe he's trying to keep her record clean of the far out there on the spectrum stuff. Oh, he's doing her a favor? He's he's trying to help her? I mean, kind of. Then why put her on with Mulder? Maybe that wasn't his decision. He sounds like he's the end-all be-all of... Or maybe he was doing that to reel Mulder in and did not foresee her going further out. Hmm. I guess we'll find out in seasons 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. (laughs) Yeah, and two (laughs) movies. So, okay. Anyway, the court lets Toombs go and he gets his job back. I said, what? The job that he was fired from before all of this? Exactly. Imagine if he was a woman with children who had to take some time off for childcare. Well, 
That's not a fun thing to imagine. I know, that's why I added it, but then I didn't continue on in that thought. But just think, do you think she would get her job back? No. The answer is no. Anyway, times two. It's like PS, PPS, but I did it with anyways. Okay. Mulder says, look, Scully, if you're resistant because you don't believe, I'll respect that. Which is a lie. (laughs) But if you're resistant because of some bureaucratic pressure, they've not only reeled you in, they've already skinned you. I'm actually on Mulder's side on this. He's lying. You say, says you? He's lying. How? No, he's already said that he would respect her, you know, not going along with in in squeeze. He says that to her. He says he says that, you know, she respects the process and he respects her going off to, with the boys club. Yes, in squeeze. In every subsequent episode, he has not respected her opinion ever. She's always been wrong though. What about in Beyond the Sea? Ah, yeah, that one was... He was compromised as hell on that one. Yeah, but he was taking it out on Scully. I'm not giving him any leeway. You know why? Because white men in power always get leeway. Oh, my God. What is he, Nixon? (laughs) 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 Oh, this white dude just can't catch a break. They're so exhausting. We are... Man, you guys are always... I don't know where I'm going with this. No, no, you probably shouldn't go anywhere with it, honestly, if we're if we're being real. But you can tell he's getting too much leeway because people are still calling him as an expert witness, and he's done terribly every single time. Yeah. He should never be on the stand. No, oh my gosh, please stop talking to Mulder. Even in the flashback. The flashback. In the flashback, he's yelling. Like the first time he gets put up on the stand, he starts yelling at the dude. <laughs> yep. He is a terrible witness. Has no one coached him since then? <laughs> Clearly not. I mean, I could give him that first time if that was his very first time and he went off the rails fine. Yeah. Because it was very emotional. I'll give anybody that. You're here as an expert witness and this is, we've seen you multiple times and every time you do this, <laughs> you have not learned at all. No. No, he's, he's and, real bad. And that's what I'm going to hold you to. Yeah, Not the first time. Real bad at testimony. But my goodness, people, please pick anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> so as Mulder is being Mulder, Toombs walks out with Mr. and Mrs. Green, who we don't really talk about very much. And the second time we watched this, I was like, who are these people? <laughs> <laughs> but they're just, you know, we came to the conclusion that they're just nice people. Toombs definitely slows down to taunt Mulder. Which, honestly, Mulder deserves at this point, And is what happens every time he testifies. In that flashback, he shows his ass and gets taunted in yeah. court. Yeah. <laughs> and then targeted. What is he doing? He's just making himself a target. Maybe on purpose? No. No? He has not thought it through that hard. <laughs> okay. <sighs> He's pretty to look at, but I think sometimes... <laughs> That might be as much substance as he has. All right, now we're in Baltimore. Toombs has his jaw back and goes out to murder in broad daylight. You know, above average intelligence. Yeah. At, at one point, he's picking up a dead rat while wearing gloves that Scully really could have used in every, every episode? previous episode. But there's really no reason that he's wearing these gloves because then he rubs his contaminated gloved fingers across his gums like it's the remnants of cocaine on a mirror, which is just gross looking and pointless. Yeah, there's no reason for it other than to gross out the audience. He's not getting any sustenance. 
but sure. He hones in on a woman in a bright blue coat and stalks toward her as though he's going to get her liver right there. Super weird. The blue coat comes up again, not hers, but another blue coat. And so I'm wondering if this is kind of like, oh, bulls go after red, which is false. And I don't have a science corner on it, but it is false. But people like to see the red because it hides the blood. So nobody has to think about how bloody this sport is. (laughs) And it's the movement. But I'm wondering if they're highlighting the blue for a similar reason, which just doubles down on the fact that Toombs is an animal and not a highly intelligent no. yeah. creature. Or, yeah, I'm agreeing with you. I don't know why I said no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. No, I completely agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Great, great. Very clear. Thank you. <laughs> your, your communication skills are mwah. <laughs> Mulder in court. <laughs> you didn't yell at me. Yes, I didn't. <laughs> All right, so he hones in on a woman in a bright blue coat and stalks toward her. Oh, I just said that. Mulder stops him, yelling about his fake dog named Heinrich, which is apparently what you were going to name your baby Sloth? Yes. So please tell that story. Oh, it's a short story. For a time, I was considering buying a baby Sloth, and I was going to name him Heinrich. Why? Why not? Why would you not want a baby sloth? I do want a baby sloth, except I feel like that's illegal and I am unqualified to be a sloth mama. It's perfectly legal and they need such little care. They don't do anything. I bet I would be a great sloth mama. They poop once a week. Do you attack them once a week when they get on the ground to just recreate their environment? No. (laughs) Why would you do? Why would you attack your sloth with kisses (laughs) why do you want a pet if you want something that you have to do very little work on cats are like that no (gasps) they're not hey guys you haven't heard the cats at all yeah stop saying the word cat they're both asleep they'll hear you that's amazing yes i just realized it (laughs) now we have we have to whisper the rest (laughs) of the episode no we're not doing that I couldn't. Mm-mm. If you keep doing it, I'm not listening to this episode. No ASMR over here. Mm-mm. Now we are at Lynn Acres Retirement Home. Oh my gosh, I keep forgetting that this is part of this episode. It's so... I hate it so much. I do too. I think that's... I keep blocking it out and then revisiting. So Scully visits Circle Time Detective Briggs. Not the same actor. Nope, different and guy. I don't like this actor, actually. But they decide that gut instinct and hunches are the best way to investigate murder. Right. And that's how you find uh, dead bodies, too. You just wheel around and go, right here! Yep. I said, remember this whole conversation as we go to the Ruxum chemical plant. Mm -hmm. I didn't stay in that room for very long because there's no point. Now we're at the Rux... Oh, I guess I spelled it wrong the first time. Ruxton Chemical Plant in Baltimore, Maryland. Detective Briggs scoffs at a radar technique. I wrote sonar. Let me change my notes. At a radar technique. I think it is sonar. It's... Somewhere else, they talk about radar. Oh, okay. So, a science technique, anyway. (laughs) Used to differentiate bodies from holes in the earth from other things. He thinks it's real dumb to use science, skill, and deduction to develop an educated guess. But his gut instinct is super on point. I hate this so much. Mulder would love him. Yeah. A cab. Uh, I did, I forgot to mention, though, in the one scene we barely touched on, they completely retcon evidence from squeeze yes and that's annoying as hell it was and their liver piece is bigger yeah yeah that too (laughs) but i have a science corner are you ready 
Yes. Science Corner with Kristen. Better than gut instinct or radar, new technique finds buried bodies better. That alliteration. Buried bodies better. From Wired.com. So this is just a little bit because we had this whole, we have, we've had two scenes now about gut instinct or science. Yeah. <laughs> radar, sonar, finding bodies. Well, this, this I found really interesting. Researchers have unearthed a new way to find a buried body. The sensitive method published online June 23rd in Forensic Science International detected trace compounds emanating from decomposing rats months after death. Because I was curious if you could use some other type of technique to find a body in cement, which I also have a science corner on in a little bit. So I did a lot of... I'm on so many lists at this point. (laughs) If the technique also works for human remains, it may help law enforcement personnel find hidden graves of victims months after a murder. Because the method relies on a super thin, flexible tube to catch faint chemical signatures in air pockets near the corpse, it may be used to detect bodies buried in hard-to-reach areas, such as under concrete slabs. Interesting. The tube could be inserted into a small hole drilled into the concrete slab or rubble to sniff out bodies buried underneath. As a corpse decomposes, tissues break down, releasing bits of nitrogen-containing compounds into the surrounding soil and air pockets, which makes sense because concrete is porous. These compounds are known to react with a chemical called ninhydrin, causing it to change color. A bluish-purple flush signals a decomposing body. And I was thinking, how useful would this be? Is this something that they would use a lot or, you know, infrequently? And then I found this. There are about 18,000 clandestine graves in the United States and 100,000 homicides annually. So stuff like this is needed, said forensic scientist Arpad Voss of Oak Ridge National Laboratory in Tennessee. Ooh, the Oak Ridge Lab. That's a place I've considered. Donating in- your body? Yeah, ending up. Yep, that'd be cool. 18,000? That seems like a lot. That is so many. So it's necessary, and hey, look, better than gut instinct. Can you use it, like, untargeted? No. You have to already know where the grave is to find the grave. It's kind of what it seems like. Yeah, but if you know it's in an area, like the like at this facility, you could drill tiny holes in a couple of areas. I don't know how widespread the decomposing chemicals would, would go in yeah. if you're surrounded by concrete. I don't know. More. Yeah. I'm not a scientist. No. I only play one on a podcast. Oh, but I think it's interesting. So now we're back in Baltimore. Oh, we're still in Baltimore, but we're elsewhere in Baltimore. Toombs puts a dead cat in a garbage bag. As he stands up, a man in a bright blue trench coat walks by. Toombs turns to look at him. He gets back in the van and watches the guy get in his car. Get in his own car, not in Toombs's car. <laughs> this is one of those situations where it's like, he, him, oh, everybody's a guy. Toombs' eyes turn yellow and the noises of the crowd fade away. Everything fades to black and white, but the man. Toombs slams the door shut and watches him through the glass. So obviously Toombs is hunting this blue-coated guy. Yeah, he forgot about the blue-coated lady. Yes. Just the next blue thing he sees is what he goes towards. That's why I was saying the thing with the bulls. Like, they're just indicating <laughs> yeah. that he's attracted to this color. I wish they had shown that in, in episode three. Yeah. And then we could be like, oh, this is how he's picking whoever he's going after. It is weird. Retconning? It's a weird way to pick your victims. Yeah. Especially if you're eating their organs. Shouldn't you be picking them like, oh, that guy has cirrhosis. I don't want to eat him. Yes. That would be helpful. But having a way to pick them makes sense. Because in episode three, the, the way that he was, air quotes, picking his 
his man, because they were all men, was that they were inside an impenetrable building, <laughs> you know, like a house. Yes. <laughs> and then this time he's about to go after a woman, but she's in the street. And then he goes after this guy. He follows this guy, we find out in a few minutes. And it's like he's picked them because of their blue. Yeah, it's odd. I wish the original man in episode three had been wearing a bright blue coat and they had done this filter on it so that we were like, oh, the bright blue coat is something. Uh huh. Even if they didn't do anything else with the bright blue, because we see people later after we see him attacking them, not necessarily targeting them, but I would have loved to see that him targeting and then going, okay, that's the person now I need to follow. Yeah. Because later the guy isn't wearing blue anymore, but he's fixated on this guy. Yeah. I wish they had done that. And Scully never wore blue and squeeze. Scully's never worn blue in her entire life. Oh, wow. She's anti-blue. Interesting fun fact. <laughs> yes. At the um, the Ruxton Chemical Plant in Baltimore, Maryland, based on a hunch, I mean the totally scientific gut feeling, they locate the body. <laughs> I didn't dwell on that either because it's a ridiculous scene. In Baltimore, Maryland, elsewhere again, Toombs follows the businessman with a bright blue coat to his house. Businessman is working late. His wife, who looks too young and I thought was his daughter, put the toddler to sleep and had to snake the toilet. Pretty jealous of her snake, though. It's the first shot where she looks way too young, but then when she gets into the bathroom, I guess it's different lighting or whatever, because she looks appropriate age there. Okay. But, yeah, in that first scene, I'm like, oh, what? What is happening? (laughs) No! (laughs) Yeah. Um, I do like her snake because I had to snake our bathtub a little while ago and just with this flimsy little thing and if I had had the one that she has in this it would have worked it would have actually worked side note she is wearing the most realistic 90s sleepwear of anyone in the show so far it is an oversized white men's t-shirt yep and I bet in 1994 that is what I was wearing (laughs) (laughs) or actually more likely um, it was definitely an oversized men's t-shirt probably not white it was probably something that said Florida across it or something (laughs) The toddler cries and she leaves to go check on the toddler who is non-gendered. So I just said it, which seems... Robo-toddler. Robo-toddler, yes. The toddler latch on the toilet is a nice touch. I do like that. Yeah. Tooms can't crack the child's safety lock, so he has to go elsewhere. And then he just immediately finds a window. Yeah. Why would he choose to crawl through the ish before he tried the window? This is some weird... This and him... Being debuted in the sewer and squeeze, uh, I think he's got some kind of weird fetish. Don't yuck his yum. You know what? In this case, I'm going to. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mulder arrives at businessman's house and completely misses Tombs creeping around, but he does see blood on the windowsill. Do we know why there's blood on the windowsill? Not at all. Okay. Meanwhile, businessman and his Excel spreadsheets don't realize Tombs is sneaking into the house, but based on the looks he serves over his spreadsheets and paper documents, he probably wouldn't hate Tombs taking him out. (laughs) Now we are back with Scully at the Smithsonian Institute Forensic Anthropology Lab. Fun fact, my degree is in anthropology. Ooh, that is a fun fact. Funner fact, it is one of the hardest studies to get into professionally because no one ever retires and there are no (laughs) spaces open for any new people (laughs) which is why i am currently not an anthropologist (laughs) dr plinth found some pennies in the area around the body and touches them with his hands oh damn it i forgot to look up what 1933 pennies are worth Mm. Ah, 
Dang it. Scully's instincts say burial and cement equals murder. So. It seems reasonable. Math time. Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> Are you ready for a science corner about what happens to a body in cement? No, probably not. Well, from the National Library of Medicine, burial of piglet carcasses in cement, a study of macroscopic and microscopic alterations on an animal model. I tried to read the entire thing, but I couldn't find a way to access it for free. And these texts are so expensive that I didn't <laughs> buy it. Danielle Gebel et al. Scarce experimental data exists describing postmortem effects on burial and cement. The scanty literature presents several case reports, but no experimental study. To perform a pilot study, the following experimental system was designed for piglet corpses who died of natural causes. <gasps> were Piglets in- dying of natural causes? Mm-hmm. Oh. Were encased in cement. After one, two, three, and six months, a block was opened and autopsy and microscopic analysis were performed. At the first month, initial putrefaction had started and hind legs were partly skeletonized, which I thought was interesting because we were talking about, would you become a skeleton? And apparently this piglet after one month is becoming a skeleton. Hmm. At the second month, both forelegs and hind legs were partially skeletonized and the abdomen and back showed advanced putrefaction. By the third month, the samples showed areas of mummification, which does make sense to me, at the abdomen within a general context of initial putrefaction. And at the sixth month, time period, the sample showed wide adipocere formation. Histological findings revealed in some analyzed tissues, the epithelium, dermis, adipose, and subcutaneous muscular tissues, a well-defined histological pattern even at three months after encasement in concrete. This means that microscopic changes may be delayed in concrete and that it may be worth performing histological analysis even in such kind of decomposed material. Okay. So I thought that was fascinating, and I wish I could have read the whole study. So if anybody knows how I can access this, please let me know. I will read this. I've seen a place where you can uh, pretty much grab any published paper. Okay. I'll see if I can find it. That would be great. I would love to read this. I'm so fascinated, and obviously this is the uh, just the excerpt of all of it, but amazing. Interesting. I, I love it. So back to the show. Apparently rats ate the body or something, but probably tombs. There's a picture of, of half a glasses-wearing man's face and half a skull. <laughs> yeah, they take a picture of the dude who was disappeared <laughs> and his body never found, presumably, you know, one of Tombs' victims, and just put that picture next to the skull just of, overlaid. that it's... they found. And said, yeah, that's the same guy. Yeah. It is, it is worse science than is on Bones. <laughs> the only episode of Bones I watch was when a person had a bomb strapped to his body, and I was like, okay, well, yeah, this is a TV situation, so uh-huh. they're going to get that get the bomb off the person. No, the person blew up, and all of the viscous <laughs> fluids blew everywhere and into people's hairs and hair and eyes, and I was like, what is this that I am watching? I watched that show for the first couple of seasons because David Boreanaz was in it. That's oh. why I, I was like, hey, Angel. And then there was just insides of somebody in his hair and i was like i bye angel (laughs) (laughs) so i assume that was i watched every episode in that 15 minutes that i watched right that was all of them no no just the only the one thing i really remember from that show is there's like a heavy metal concert that they're for some reason at 
<gasps> is it the heavy metal concert from the Magnus Archives where if you listen to yes. the music, then your ears bleed and you kill yourself? Something bone. Yeah. Summoner's bone. I'll look it up while you're finishing. Uh, but there's a skeleton as part of the stage decoration and Bones is like, that's a real skeleton and just gets up on stage and looks at the skeleton. And I'm like, no, stop it. You're all, you're all grounded. I agree. Bones was the woman? Yes, Bones was the woman. And what was Angel's name in that? Booth. And his thing was, he always had fancy socks and belt buckles. That's wow. how his personality That was his personality? Through. Yep. Grifter's bone. <laughs> Just out of nowhere, Grifter's bone. <laughs> there wasn't any pause to look anything up there. <laughs> now we are at Mulder's car. I have some more questions for you. You ready? Put your uh, listening ears on. Okay. <laughs> My listening ears are on. We're in Mulder's car. Mulder's car and Mulder smells, so he puts an air freshener up. What do you think Mulder smells like right now? Teenage boy. I feel like he's a man in multiple layers, so he's got to smell even more rank. Yeah, I have no idea. So Scully gets in the car, and she's like, Mulder, things are getting a little ripe in here. So then he puts up one of those little evergreen trees. Yeah, I'm disappointed he didn't put up a black ice one. I I wonder if black ice was a thing back then. No, because Drakkar Noir was like a new thing at the time. Ah. (laughs) Is that what black ice smells like? Yes. That's the flavor? Okay. Hmm. My car just smells like uh, nothing. (laughs) I hope it smells like nothing Because I can't smell anything Yours smells like your raincoat off-gassing Huh? I don't even know what that means Your raincoat? Yeah That yellow I know what a raincoat is Well, you said you had no idea what I was talking about Off-gassing I don't know what that means You don't know what that means? No When it gets heat When the inside of your car is heated up It changes There's a chemical change in the plastic And it off-gasses There's Gas that is created and fills up the inside of your car and it smells like your rain gear. So I should put that in the trunk is what you're saying? I'm just saying that's what it smells like. Am I poisoning myself? Probably. And you're still not suggesting I stop? <laughs> hmm. Okay. <laughs> no, okay, definitely then because I don't want to have to edit these. <laughs> and okay, so Mulder's been sitting in this car forever apparently. And I said he could smell amazing with Scentbird. Just kidding. They're not a sponsor. <laughs> but it's a good idea. Wow. <laughs> but I was thinking about smelling good because this was right after we came back from Sephora. Oh. <laughs> and you, you were like, do you like how this smells? And I was like, yes, everybody likes somebody who smells nice. <laughs> and then we watched Mulder smell like, <laughs> like s- sweat and yeah and funk and probably greasy mcdonald's but not greasy mcdonald's like right away the good greasy mcdonald's like the greasy mcdonald's that you ate four days ago and it's sitting in the back of the wrappers in the back of your car that kind oh i'm unfamiliar you've never been in anybody's car where they just throw all of their trash in their back seat i always like to drive hmm and i keep my car clean that's true yeah i was not referencing you (laughs) Or me. I don't remember the last time I ate at McDonald's. (laughs) I do have some seltzer cans in my car. Oh, apparently I have poison raincoat. You do, but you need that, so what are you going to do? Scully relieves Mulder since he hasn't slept in three days, but driving home is cool. (laughs) Also, Toombs is in the trunk of Mulder's car. (laughs) 
I don't understand why Mulder doesn't just take a nap in the back seat while Scully watches. I don't either. She sends him home and he drives home. Yeah. With one eye half open and the other eye definitely closed. It's dangerous for you to be out and about. You should drive. Yeah. And it's Maryland. So I don't know where Mulder lives, but it's not close. No. Washington, D.C. I didn't even think about that. Washington, D.C., that whole Baltimore to D.C. That whole metro sprawl is, it's huge. There's no way he's... I don't know the layout of Maryland enough. I know Baltimore is on the water. I think D.C. is close to the water, too. Yeah, no, there you could get there on the subway, but nobody's nobody's riding the metro in this. They're all driving. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So he's probably driving for an hour somewhere. Right? Yeah. Just ridiculous. So we go to Mulder's apartment, how whatever time this is. I did notice that they stopped doing timestamps at one point. Oh uh, yeah. And I wish they had they had them here. And in a couple of other things like the uh the tree one. The what was the bug episode? Uh, darkness falls. That's it. I wish they had the timestamps in that because we were very confused. I remember at the very beginning we were like, why do they have timestamps? And now I'm like, where are the timestamps? <laughs> yep. That would be super helpful. <laughs> why do we need to know it's 11.53? And I'd be like, please tell me what time it is. So Mulder is watching old movies at full volume and drinking generic Pepsi, the thirst quencher, instead of sleeping. And Toombs is unscrewing screws in air vents also very loudly. But if Mulder didn't have his volume all the way up of screaming women and <laughs> old movies, then he would hear this. The screws, when they come out, they used stop motion animation. <laughs> the same kind, because I was watching that going, oh, is this the tool sober video? <laughs> I was expecting like the shaky arm guy to be. Oh, it. that'd be great. Because <laughs> that's exactly what it looked like to me. That would be great. At some point, there's also music playing. It doesn't sound like music from the movie. It might be, but this whole scene is so noisy. Yeah. For such a quiet scene. This scene is the middle of the night and Mulder's supposed to be going to sleep. <laughs> there are noises happening everywhere. Mulder falls asleep eventually, while Toombs scratches himself up. And this is the first time we've seen him being calculating beyond hunting prey. Mm -hmm. Why not just take Mulder's liver right here? There is no reason for it. He tried to kill him and squeeze by the old liver karate chop. Yep. So his liver is perfectly reasonable to eat or whatever. <gasps> Maybe Mulder has cirrhosis. Oh, he developed it in the last six months? Yeah. Could be. We don't know what Mulder does ever. I hope the aliens can cure him because he's got 11 <laughs> seasons of this to do. We know that Mulder doesn't do any work, but he doesn't have to because he doesn't forget anything anybody's ever told him. Never seen him to be a drinker, though. No, that's all off screen. Yeah. <laughs> okay, when they're solving cases. Yep. He's drunk when they're solving cases. Yes. <laughs> All right, so Toombs is scratching himself up, and so there's blood in this scene, but there was blood on the window before, and that's that didn't make sense. But now when we see blood, it makes sense. So maybe they forgot what order these scenes were <laughs> in. Uh, then we go to the hospital in Baltimore. Also, most of this is in Baltimore. Toombs is getting checked out and tells tales on Mulder. This is the smartest thing we've seen him do in two episodes. Framing Mulder, who everyone knows is after Toombs, is pretty dope. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing that is curious to me, though, about this whole scene is he dislocates his shoulder, which we know he can do without hurting himself. And he dislocates him sh his shoulder, scratches himself up, puts 
kicks himself in the face with Mulder's shoe. This whole this whole situation. <laughs> but while the doctor is speaking with another doctor, I am assuming cop. a cop. Okay. Yeah. While the doctor is speaking with a cop, and the cop is like, whatever, he's probably fine. (laughs) And she's like, maybe we should listen to this victim here. Unfortunately, she's wrong, but she's also right at the same time. But he relocates his shoulder just by sitting there and pops it back in. Wouldn't somebody come over to relocate his shoulder and be like... Possibly, but some people who have dislocated their shoulder multiple times can just do that. Ugh. Wouldn't you? Ugh. No further questions. I don't want to know anymore. <laughs> so, okay. Back at Mulder's apartment, cops or whoever arrests federal agents show up at Mulder's door. They find the shoes in Mulder's apartment, which visually match the partial print on Toombs' face. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have a picture. No. They're not comparing. They're just like, ah. I remember what that, what his face looked like. <laughs> Though you can look at Mulder's hands and see he hasn't beaten anyone in at least two weeks. <laughs> at least two weeks? Yes. Okay. Uh, what was two episodes ago? <laughs> oh, since he was hanging out with the Tragos. Well, I said that because his knuckles would be split if he was beating up. Yeah, so, I figured. At least two weeks. I, I, I thought he beat up somebody two weeks ago, but no, he didn't. No. Uh, as Mulder leaves, he notices the screws. Good job. But he doesn't say anything here. Well, because what's he going to say? Hey, it was Tombs and he crawled through this vent right here. What is he going to say? He doesn't seem to have a problem saying all of that in a court of law. Maybe he finally learned his lesson. No, he didn't. (laughs) How many more episodes do you think we'll see Mulder as an expert witness in the next 10 seasons? (laughs) Oh, I hope it's a bunch. (laughs) Why? Because it annoys me? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) How sweet. Next, we are at Assistant Director Skinner's office, FBI headquarters, Washington, D.C. Mulder makes his case for Toombs framing him. Scully gets herself in trouble with Skinner. You want to be Skinner again? Sure. All right, I'm Scully. Sir, I was engaged in the unauthorized surveillance as well, and Agent Mulder was orienting me on the situation at the time Toombs was admitted into the hospital. Agent Mulder could not have done it because he was with me. Agent Scully... You wouldn't be lying to me, would you? Sir, I would expect you to place the same trust in me as I do in you. So she said, yes, I am lying to you. Yep, and I think I, I, think I stood up and applauded this scene. <laughs> I was like, talk to your boss that way! Yeah, because she did lie. She that lied? Lie. She lied right to his face? Oh, she is, she is not good. We're at the end of season one, and Scully is already corrupted. Yep. It's a damn shame. There's no redeeming her ever. Yeah. Women. But Mulder's uh, case that he makes for why Toombs is framing him is pretty great. It's all about forensic shoe science. Yeah, it really is, yes, and I didn't include any of it. There would be an <laughs> impact print from my foot as well if my foot was in there. So my foot was not in the shoe at the time. So how can he do this in this office and not do forensic science in a court of law? I don't know. Maybe he gets nervous when there's a lot of people around and just starts yelling because I'm nervous! He's not aggressive at all. He's just nervous. Oh. And you are making fun of him for it. I'm not making fun of him for being nervous. No. I think he needs therapy. Oh, man. If this is the only way he can express his nerves, (laughs) he needs to stop being an expert witness. I think we should have a little sympathy for him. Why? (laughs) (laughs) 
why? Why do you want to coddle Mulder? He deserves it. No, he doesn't. My little baby. Yep, I can see you holding him right close to your chest, cuddling him, giving him little kisses on his forehead. It's a, it's a little infant body, but like full David Duchovny head. That's exactly what I'm picturing. <laughs> swaddled. It has to be swaddled. <laughs> Scully is then dismissed and Skinner changes his tune. There you go, Skinner. Fox, you are one of the finest, <laughs> most unique agents in the nearly 60-year history of this institution. He sits down where Scully was sitting. I mean, we were talking about you when you were in the academy. <laughs> you made it sound extra creepy. Yeah, it did. Gross. Uh, he calls him Fox. I know. After earlier, I don't think we mentioned it earlier in this, he tells Scully that she has to call him Mulder. He even made his parents call him Mulder. Yes, that is canon. It's in the books. You dork. He's such a dork. Oh my God. I If I went to school with this guy and he was like, no, call me Mulder, I'd give him a swirly every day. Would you? Yes, because I was... I was a cool guy in high school, not oh. a nerd. Oh. I've been fooling you all this entire time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> I never did know you. <laughs> I was playing the long game, and I have won. This was the end of your long game? Yes, season this episode. one. Episode 21 of a podcast. You fool. <laughs> you know what? I did not see this coming. <laughs> that's, how, that's how clever of a plan it was. Uh, this is how men talk when women are in the room, isn't it? <laughs> what, me doing that? No. Fox, you are one of the finest, most oh, unique no, agents no. in the nearly 60-year history of this institution. It's just constantly complimenting each other. Yes. <laughs> and you are the best assistant director this bureau has ever had. <laughs> I have always looked up to you. No, I have always looked up to you. Don't tell the women. <laughs> we are all actually very encouraging to one another. And not toxic at all. <laughs> Mulder is told to take an extended vacation. Though no, there's no word on whether it's full pay or not. And is forbidden to go anywhere near tombs. wonder if it'll work. Probably. All right, we're back at the Smithsonian Institute Forensic Anthropology Lab. Scully and Mulder are looking at an x-ray of Toombs' dental x-rays. We do love some dental x-rays here. Yeah, we have them plastered all over our walls. Y yes. <laughs> Peek behind the curtain. Mmm, teeth. <laughs> teeth. 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 Oh no, both cats are awake now. <laughs> Surprise! The bite marks on the body are probably from Toombs. Remember back at the time that I said... The guy thought it was rats, and I yeah. said it's probably tombs. Mm -hmm. It was tombs. It was, yeah. I mean, that's the way it was going. No. I am brilliant. Above average intelligence. Oh. The forensic anthropologist who actually became an anthropologist oh. didn't see it. Huh. What a chump. Me, who never became an anthropologist. I saw it miles away. What an anti-chump. <laughs> uh, yep. That's what I want to be called from now on, an anti-chump. Anti <laughs> now we're at the greenhouse in Baltimore, Maryland. Toombs is tearing up news. Oh, the greenhouse is that old couple's house. Oh, yeah. They just, they just call it the greenhouse, and I've forgotten what their names are. Oh. Green, probably. Yeah. I was thinking greenhouse, as in the house is green. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what an interesting... All right, well, this is 
Never mind. I think it's because on my run this morning, I was running by some houses and I was like, that was, that's a very pretty yellow house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a greenhouse. Okay. Toombs is tearing up newspaper at his desk to make his nest when there is a knocking at the door. Arlen Green comes in, followed by Dr. Monte. What is Dr. Monte's deal? I don't know. Like we talked about earlier, is he writing a book about this? Because that's the only way he would be like this interested in tombs. I want one sentence saying of him talking to somebody or we overhear him on the phone or something. Him saying, I can't wait for this to write this book about how I turned this man around in six months. If he's writing a book about it, we need to know like what his angle is too because he doesn't believe he's a stretchy boy. No. So him writing a book about the guy doesn't make any sense. Mm. He is taking way too much of an interest in this dude. And we don't know why. Uh, Yeah. It just doesn't compute. No. It doesn't feel genuine. It it feels self-serving. Yeah. But we don't know why. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. There's no uh, conclusion to it. No resolution. Right. So uh, Arlen Green leaves. He says he and his wife are going somewhere. I can't remember where. Out for the evening. And Dr. Monty comes in and is talking to Tombs. Whenever Dr. Monty speaks to Tombs, his voice is muted. I love this technique, actually. I thought it was brilliant because it really shows that he's an animal and what he's doing. It's a great way to show how honed in Tombs is getting to his victim Mm. because everything else gets muted. He's very focused in on this. What Dr. Monty is saying is inconsequential. Okay. So I loved it. It shows that Toombs is an animal and Dr. Monty is so naive. We had the first preview of this, of Toombs doing this with Dr. Monty in the courtroom. Yeah. And the second time is here. And at first it could have, the first time I was like, I'm not quite sure where he's going with this. Maybe he's just bored. (laughs) Dr. Monty doesn't seem like someone I would want to be talking at me for too long. But this is definitely a, when, you know, when the cats are watching tiny lizards outside and they get real into it yeah if you touch them they don't even move <laughs> they're so focused they're hyper focused yeah that's what this indicates to me with okay. tombs dr monty is so naive in fact that he's dead <laughs> so the fifth body has been eaten and now it's nap time Mulder suggests 66 exeter street but scully knows it's been torn down they go anyway yeah, and now it's a full-sized mall that they built and they demolished a building and built a huge mall in six months. Good job. A huge mall that is open, and I know it's it's after hours right now, but it's obvious that it's been open. Like, yeah. All of the stores have merchandise in them. This is set up and... It was a good turnaround, guys. Really good. I hope they got a bonus for finishing that project so quickly. Must have been a union job. Yeah. So at 66 Exeter Street, they are at a giant shopping mall with the words City Square, and that's in place of where the rundown apartment building used to be. A security guard unlocks the door for Mulder and Scully. And I made a comment about the construction time, but we just covered that. Uh, Mulder and Scully explore the mall. Mulder figures out Toombs is probably underground. He's right. He is. Right under the escalator. (laughs) As Mulder crawls through some sort of tunnel, just like in Fear Street. I can't picture the Fear Street. Fear Street, when they're in the mall. Fear Street, 1994. And then the old-timey one, 1666. Then they all go into that hole, and the hole is the same hole. I remember the cave system and stuff. 
Yeah. And the last one, they go into the hole, but it's in the mall because they built the mall around the tree. You're not remembering? No. It's not an air duct, and I can't see pipes. It's getting dirtier and wetter. It's under the escalator. It's just all the machinery for the escalator. But it's dirty and wet. Why is it wet under there? Grease. Is it greasy wet, or is it wet Yeah, because it's grease. All right. That's probably also wet wet, but it's definitely a lot of grease. He finds, he being Mulder, finds the nest dripping with mucus. It would smell like ammonia down there. It would be so hard to breathe. This is the only time in 21 episodes that Mulder doesn't pull his gun and just point it at everything. Yep. The only time it would be helpful. Well, here's a bit of trivia. The bile-like substance coating tombs and his nest was actually yellow piping gel, which stuck to the cast member's skin and pulled out their hair. Oh! Oh, no. Tombs was covered in that stuff. Oh, he was like a baby afterwards just the the worst waxing ever yeah surprise waxing yeah <sighs> motor wakes up tombs and they go into fight for your life they go, <laughs> they go and they fight for your life like in borderlands yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> some more trivia for his final scenes doug hutchison performed nude as scripted, Toombs was supposed to emerge from his cocoon wearing his animal control uniform, but Hutchison thought that made no sense. And he was right. Yeah. So this made so much sense. I didn't even question. No. Because it, of course. So good job. Good job, Doug saying so, and everyone else for listening. Yeah. Scully pulls Mulder out of the hole. Mulder reaches over and hits the escalator button to start it, grinding Toombs to a pulp. Tombs releases a good scream. It was a solid scream. Good scream. And we see blood on the stairs. Yikes. Yeah. Back in Assistant Director Skinner's office, FBI headquarters, Washington, D.C., Skinner looks at the file for Tombs. A picture and fingerprints are on the paper. He closes the file, which reads on the cover. Federal Bureau of Investigation, Bureau File, number X129202, Eugene Victor Tombs, closed. So, this is the First time. <laughs> that they've closed a file. The first time. Not 75% of the time. <laughs> the first time. Skinner says, you read this report? To the cigarette smoking man, who walks towards the window. Skinner looks at him. Do you believe them? And the cigarette smoking man has his first online screen lines. On screen lines. <laughs> so take two. The cigarette smoking man has his first on-screen lines. And his voice is not what I expected. All right, you do his voice and say his line. Of course I do. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <sighs> Final scene, Baltimore, Maryland. Surprise. We're in Baltimore now. <laughs> I'm surprised. Mulder is looking at a caterpillar cocoon hanging off a branch. Scully walks up next to him. Now, Mulder has a hunch. He says something about having a hunch, which is pulling back to that whole, I already forgotten that was in this episode and I just talked about it half an hour ago. <laughs> so now everyone has had a hunch. Great. Good job, everybody. Cue piano music. Finn. <laughs> I didn't get the cocoon thing because Toombs' thing is not really, he's, it's not a cocoon. He doesn't like metamorphose. Man, I don't know. Yeah, it's just a hive. I'm just saying I don't get the metaphor. Doesn't it have to have, multi, like, a bunch of tombs to be a hive? Okay, I guess. Maybe. Isn't a hive basically just a sky rise for bugs? Okay. Well, it's some other word. It's also not a cocoon. 
know. Well, I do. Who are you shipping? I am shipping Mulder and Forensic Shoe Science. Oh. They had a they had a good little bit right there. I am. I caught some sparks. Nice. I am also shipping Mulder. Oh, huh? But I'm shipping Mulder and Skinner because there were some sparks <laughs> in that after they dismissed Scully. <laughs> did you see all of that winking? Nice. Wink, wink, wink. Hey, nudge, 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 hey, wink. You are the best agent I've ever seen in my life. Like big open mouth wink. Ah. ah. <laughs> How are you surviving? Same as in Squeeze. He's got his fifth one now. Just let him cocoon and deal with it in 2024. <laughs> He doesn't really seem to go after women, so I feel okay. <laughs> like, he went after Scully because she was... A threat. A threat. And then he was going after the blue-coated woman, kind of. But that seemed more opportunistic. Yeah, that was just a weird scenario. It seemed like a fluke. So I feel like I'm going to be okay, but otherwise, yeah. He's done now. Yep. <laughs> All right, how long have we lasted? 21 episodes. <laughs> feel like you should know that. <laughs> Why would I know that? <laughs> but at 21 episodes, we have lasted longer than. Ooh. Because nobody gets canceled after 21 episodes, apparently. No one? So if you make it to 21, then you're, you're going to get 22 at least. Then you're on forever. <laughs> Stalker, which is a show so good. That IMDb just says, a team of detectives investigates stalkers in Los Angeles. That sounds great. Let's watch it right now. Starring Dylan McDermott and Maggie Q. Oh. So not a bad not a bad lead. Are they the stalkers or the detectives? Who can know? <laughs> who can ever know? And There's also, no way of knowing. <laughs> and also, Dads. A sitcom where Martin Mull and Peter Riegert play the fathers of... Giovanni Ribisi and Seth Green, respectively. I love Seth Green! <laughs> I know. Did you know Seth Green is in It? I did, because we watched it last night. <laughs> <laughs> so before we started this, I confessed uh, my Seth Greenism about It, 1990. I was excited every single time Seth Green came on screen because I kept forgetting he was in the movie. <laughs> I... I'm 100% sober while I'm telling you all of this and while we were watching it last night. And I kept being like, ah, Seth Green, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. How did you feel about this episode? Uh, it had its ups and downs. Yeah. I feel like I could like it, but like that, the scene where he's crawling after Mulder at the very end. Creepy. Super creepy. Very well done. Yes. Really well. Really like that. The procedural stuff. At the beginning was rough. Like, yeah. why are you letting this dude out? He should have escaped. They should have I had agree. him escape. But then I guess you couldn't do the him trying to frame Mulder, which also went nowhere. It, right. It went nowhere. It would have been... I would have given up him trying to frame Mulder for, being, for him sneaking out and escaping because it makes more sense. Yeah. I really wish he had done that. Yeah. And I want to know Dr. Monty's angle. Yeah. Them taking that nowhere also didn't make any sense i didn't like that very weird the greens seemed like very nice people they seemed like a halfway house for people who need need a leg up right so good on them yeah more more of those people please good job not murdering them yeah <laughs> right appreciated that scully didn't do a whole lot in this episode no she just 
lies to the assistant director of the FBI, which I feel like is a crime. I don't know. Is it? <laughs> Cops hate it when you lie to them. Yeah, but if it's a cop who lies to a cop... They probably hate it more. But they won't say anything because... The Cops thin, are allowed to lie. The thin blue line. <laughs> they thin blue line each other. <laughs> you're a hero. You're a hero. You're a hero. You're a hero. We have to cover everything up. <laughs> Overall, I don't know. I guess I'd say yes. I liked it. but I liked it better. It could have been way better. It could have. I liked it better the second time. The first time I was too hung up on the procedural things. Yeah. Because I I don't like it. But I guess it is a cop show. So it makes sense that there's procedural stuff. Yeah. Do you think we'll see Tombs again? I doubt it. <laughs> I feel like that's the end of Tombs. Because he's cocooned now? Oh, no, because he's Because dead. he's shredded. I forgot. <laughs> what is wrong with my brain? I don't know. All right. Well, I guess we'll see you guys next week. Bye. The Cast Files is produced by Kristen Riley and Dave Reed. Edited by Dave Reed. You can find us on Twitter at Cast Files. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Reed. That's D-A-I-V-E-R-E-E-D. You can email us at thecastfiles. That's the with two E's at gmail.com. If you could please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and tell us that we are doing phenomenal things. Artistic, wonderful things. We are raising the bar on podcasting. We would love you forever for that. We have a Tee Public store. You can go buy t-shirts and stuff there. Music by Hal Six. Logo by Atuka Art. That's O-O-K-A-A-R-T. 